0: You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast and for that I apologize. Hello and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. And I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode ninety seven, the Sweet Sixteen edition.
1: Yep. Amen, brother. How sweet it is, Livy. Yep.
0: How sweet it is. Jackie
1: Gleason said how
0: sweet it is. Um a particularly or, or an uncharacteristically orange centric episode today.
1: Yeah for the two sorry excuses.
0: Yeah, we're actually going to talk a little uh, Syracuse Orange, man. We'll, we'll dabble in tomfoolery, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know how much given substantive the weekend,
1: orange talk will it, it be as much as it will be just about our fandom.
0: Yeah, a lot of chest beating. We'll do a couple things, though. I got some fun stuff planned. Um, we'll talk about what it's like uh, to be a... 20-year alumni compared to being in school. Yeah, that's for you, brother. You're the one who's 20 years time. out. <laughs> because I watched that entire weekend in the prone position. Oh, really? Just, not just the Syracuse games. The, all, the entire tournament. I was on my back the entire time. I laid on the couch.
1: Are you having back issues? No, no. I was just lazy. Oh, okay. Relaxing. I
0: thought maybe you were having some kind of
1: issues. I thought maybe somebody hit you up with a lead pipe in Detroit or something.
0: <laughs> we um <clears throat> I wanted to watch the uh the Syracuse game at home, as you're apt to do. Yep. Without, you know, shenanigans of uh yeah. of the just the general rooting public or the casual. Our
1: moron especially during tournament. Morons, can you put asking the change the the tv that you're watching the game on you know you'll get like three friggin idiots who are a fan of some other team some shit yeah you don't need to deal with all that bullshit
0: well that's a perfect example because the one game i did go out for was the duke yale game on saturday yeah saturday sunday it was saturday i believe Or or was it sunday
1: When did Yale, I know I watched the game. I think it was Saturday.
0: Uh, I think so. That makes sense. Well, let me think. Um, And sure enough.
1: The first game of the day was Villanova. On Sunday, the first game of the day was Villanova, Iowa. So it might. And where was that game played? Yes. That game was played in Philadelphia. Yale Duke. Was that played in Philadelphia?
0: I think it might have. Yeah, yeah. But it, was it? Whatever. I remember watching a – exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and sure enough, we went out, uh, had some uh, – had a couple burgers and a couple drinks. It was Saturday, the, though.
1: Sorry, go on. At the <laughs> – Villanova game was played in Brooklyn. The second game was the okay. SFA-Notre Dame game. That was Sunday.
0: So Saturday, okay. you were
1: watching Yale Duke, and you went out to have a couple <sighs> of brews.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just a bunch, you know, there's eight people in the bar, yep. and three of them happen to s- be sitting right across the bar from Roscoe and I, and um, they're just a couple morons, Yep. you know? They're yelling at the TV for no other reason than they have a bracket that they don't want busted, or they hate Duke, which is more likely. I think at one point they said, we hate Duke.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because most people uh, we- do.
0: Which I can relate to, although I, I want to take umbrage with, uh, uh, with you. I, I don't remember what the... Actually, I got a lot of bones to pick. A today. lot of bones
1: to um, pick with me?
0: Yeah. Uh, not just with you, in general. Oh, okay. I'm, um, I want to squash <laughs> some beefs here. Um, I forget what the exact tenor of the conversation was, but at some point you turned on me and <laughs> called me a Duke fan
1: that was because a long time ago, recording one of these podcasts, you basically, you know, you stated <laughs> that you really didn't have a problem with Duke, which means you're a Duke fan of uh, my book. Either that or you're uh, okay. not really a college basketball fan. Okay. Because that's All how right. I judge um, you. If you don't like, if you don't hate Duke, you must like Duke. But if Duke doesn't bother you and you say you don't like them. You're not a college basketball fan. Because if you're okay, a college basketball fan, you straight up unless you're a fan of Duke, you hate them.
0: Okay. Get so I'm what's worse? I, I absolutely do. What's worse in your book? Not having an opinion about Duke or or liking Duke?
1: I mean, liking Duke, you can like Duke, whatever. Not have I mean, that's your shitty choice. You know, it probably makes you my opinion of people that like Duke, you know, unless like you're somebody, you know, like the redneck kid that I met when I was like 15 or 16, working a summer job in North Carolina 20 something years ago, who is a redneck from North Carolina, but he loved Duke. Okay, those people fine. But other than that, you're probably very pretentious if you actually are a fan of Duke. You're probably okay. somebody who thinks they play ball the right way, and you got all these opinions on how the game should be played. Or you're probably a smug nerd that really doesn't know anything about sports, but you know your your brother went to Duke or something, you know, and like like my sister's boyfriend Gora, <laughs> he's a Duke fan because that's where his brother went to, went to college. Of course he's an Indian kid.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's really funny that you bring that up. Not that he is Indian. The (laughs) fact that he roots for a family interest. Because uh, much of the, the foundation of the DeSantis family is built on mutual rooting interests. And the Reardon brothers would give me shit all the time for that. Like... Not so much now, because I think I detest the the city and the franchise, but like back in the day, I would casually root for, uh, or passively root for, the Eagles, because my brother's an Eagles fan. Yeah. And it's not so much, I'm like, I have to do what my brother does, it's when you're close to somebody who has an allegiance, you... Are forced to follow it Yeah And by following it You take an interest in it And that's where That's where I want to I want to uh, I take issue With the Duke thing Is because I don't like Duke And I don't hate Duke I I don't like individual players Like I can't stand This Grayson Allen Yeah I couldn't stand JJ Redick
1: Last year You didn't really have much Of a problem with Grayson Allen
0: no, 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 no. I said who's worse, Aaron Kraft or Grayson Allen. And you think Aaron I,
1: Kraft is worse. Grayson Allen's ten absolutely times worse by virtue
0: of being on Duke. Okay, see that's where I draw the line. Is Grayson Allen dislike... has won
1: a title because he said Duke. Aaron Kraft wasn't winning anything. He went to the Final four, but he wasn't winning anything.
0: But then by that logic, would you would uh You'd you'd be able to stomach Grayson Allen if he played for UCLA or You wouldn't hear about him so much LSU. if he played for
1: UCLA or LSU.
0: Okay. I detest Aaron Kraft by the virtue of Aaron Kraft being Aaron Kraft. Yeah, but now you'll never hear fact. about Aaron
1: Kraft again. Duke players, oh, you'll I look keep hearing up. about them even after they're gone.
0: <laughs> you still have to hear about J.J. Redick and
1: Greg Paulus. You know, their <laughs> shitty frigging fingerprints are all over the sport. You know, Greg Paulus is all over the sport. When you see friggin' Wisconsin flopping left and right, you know,
0: uh,
1: and being rewarded. For
0: uh, it. All right, but what I do do <laughs> <laughs> that always get cracks me up. What cracks uh, you up? What I do do is I do 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 do. I uh, I I respect I respect Duke more so. I I. I respect Shostakovich because He's such a wine. I think, but he run, okay. What he does, He's such on a petulant and, child, and and what he does in the global in the grand scheme of things are two totally different. Why don't things. you come clean respect- with the audience?
1: You like Duke <laughs> because you wanted to go to Duke.
0: <laughs> I did. I visited. I Duke.
1: know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, you're not objective. You can't be objective about listen, a school that you had your eyes on. Listen, I hate UNC. You want to go to Duke more than you want to go to UNC, didn't you?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, um, I never knew you really wanted to go to UNC, but I know you definitely wanted to go to Duke. It's all right I did, I really wanted to go. to. Admit it, you I have really a soft spot for huh? Duke. It's fine.
0: I, I really wanted to go to Duke.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you did. I know you visited there and everything. You know?
0: Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And
1: unfortunately, you weren't an Asian kid. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> it was funny. At some point during the Duke-Yale game, they were talking about... Uh, How smug the fans
1: were... were at that game.
0: <laughs> well, then they... they they pan to the audience, and there's two kids sitting in Duke sweatshirts that are, happen to be two Asian kids.
1: <laughs> of course, because that's what, whenever they show that it's like these people. It, it always kills me, you know.
0: Whatever, that's Duke. That's um, fine.
1: But um, all
0: right, so I guess like I guess we're that not going
1: with Cal or something, you know.
0: Um, I guess we're not going to quash that beef. Yeah, we're not going to th- quash for that the record
1: because I'm right. My favorite for the, let part the record, of the Duke Yale game. Did you? They were Yale fans. At one point, the, the camera pans to him. These two guys. The dude, one, one had like a sand hat on. and He was shooting the birds. <laughs> double birds, just friggin' double
0: frigging barrel. Up. Did you see that? Sto- automatic double barrel gun. Yeah, and he was just doing. They the kept bird. the camera
1: on for like five seconds.
0: He was great. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm glad you caught good. that. I love of that course, guy. did spin head out and. See that's the day and age we live in. I was, right away, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna have to end up on Deadspin," because <laughs> they were just there. It's like, you know, they kept it on them long enough, like where they should have just cut away from it right away.
0: I did see that the one the uh, the highlight I did not see. Well, of course, I saw the crying uh, Kentucky saxophone player. That was Kentucky, right?
1: No, last year She's that was Villanova. Over. I think you talking now, about last this year. year? The- Oh, there was a crying no, no. Kentucky person this year?
0: And the only reason right. um, I know that is because they've been comparing her to the Piccolo player. The yeah, Villanova the over Piccolo, piccolo player. player.
1: Did you see the the sad um, flyer kid doing the Syracuse game?
0: I did see the sad flyer kid, but I'm more interested in seeing the, <laughs>
1: the crying Hawaiian. Yeah, you gotta go... Uh, somebody is... Because they went to him first, they showed him from far away, and... You didn't see his face. You saw that he was like in his mother's, like crying in his mother's arm or something, you know. And then they went back okay. to him, they show him and they showed him his eyes are like kind of watery, and, you know. It, it was, it was like, come on, man, this is too much.
0: <laughs> you know, it was like,
1: leave this kid alone. Like they're like, oh, that's great. Let's go back and get a, get a face shot of the kid, you know.
0: Um. After you had sent me that... It was late, right? That was that was the late night game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, had, uh, I got into uh, a rabbit hole of One Shining Moments. I own a bunch of One Shining Moments. All like the pertinent ones. 87, 96, 2003. Um, but I tried okay. to... I tried to to get my fill of those crying faces because I couldn't find the the Hawaiian kid, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know why. He, I never followed up after the game. You know, but crying Hawaiian kid was
0: pretty sad. Uh The other uh, beef I want to quash is... The other beef uh, you want to quash. I went back into the tapes and I found I found the infamous Roscoe's a better fan than I am. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Hold on, he's here. Have we settled that yet, Roscoe? Oh, he's on there. Have we settled that you're not a better fan than I am yet? Did I reveal that to you? We talked about it, yeah. Okay. All right, so you can go back. Sorry. Um, So I went back and I found the tape, and what I bestowed upon Roscoe is that he's a more loyal fan than I am. Yeah, yeah. Not a better... Or not a bigger, and you were very quick to point out that that's worse. Yeah, because loyalty should be at the top of the of the pyramid in terms of fan quality, or or um, or fan uh, what's attributes. It attributes. Thank you. Yeah, but I don't think so. <laughs> loyalty. Of course, uh, you don't. Think I don't. know so. ne- against you. <laughs> I never claim to be loyal.
1: You never claim to be loyal because you could be ruined for Duke tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> Loyalty is not something I have ever claimed to be. I think I'm caring. I think I'm I'm good natured. I think I'm sweet. I think I'm funny.
1: Dude, you're opening yourself but I don't, up to so many things right now that I'm just biting my tongue on. Loyalty's I, nothing I, I ever claimed to be. Did you extract that from the marriage vows? (laughs) Whoa, 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 Padre. Stop right there.
0: (laughs) Uh, We wrote our own vows. We wrote our own vows. Yeah, you
1: had to. (laughs) Right. Just remove that loyalty thing. (laughs) Um, I'm a big fan of marriage. I'm just not all about loyalty. All right <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude <laughs> I' cross it over some- um, All right,
0: yes, yeah. Um, so so there we go. I'll, I'm going to quash that uh, Roscoe beef, and to his credit, I pointed that out to him the other day, and he um, he's dropped it. Good, so I'm happy. I'm glad Roscoe is
1: loyal. <laughs> he's not going to go turn around and root for a friggin Duke tomorrow. Like you, you know, <laughs> Oh shit. We lost to Gonzaga. Go blue devils. Syracuse is <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, only one title, one, one title, but Duke's won like five. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay. That was, uh, that's the other little tidbit. Um, Little tidbit that I want to share with you um, it's probably the only substantive part of a discussion that we've had um, but first before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the about the games they were uh, hello I can't even talk about the the Dayton game because I was in Detroit on Friday, yeah. Did you have to do a a rap
1: battle with Eminem out there? Something?
0: (laughs) I did drive past Eight Mile Road. I wanted to take a picture, but of course, you know, my cell phone was dead, so I couldn't, I couldn't snap a. Mom, spaghetti. (laughs) Which is kind of meta if you think about it, you know, because he's singing to Mackay Pfeiffer. Yeah if you if you wanted to think about that but apparently you don't. Yeah. So, uh, anyway,
1: no, I know. Uh I went what to the Det- pipers in the movie, right? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I had a meeting one of the uh, charities that I work with is is based out in um, um based out in Detroit or one of the suburbs and I had to pinch hit for somebody at a at a a big national uh, office meeting. So I flew out there which I don't do very often. I don't travel for business. I don't I don't travel a lot. I certainly don't travel for business, especially like a one-off out that morning, back that Is night. Is that what you did? Trip. You were there. Yeah. Right.
1: You didn't even get to see yeah.
0: the the sights of Detroit, man. No, not at all. And I would actually have been looking forward to it. Um, because Detroit's one of those places I always have on my radar because real estate's so cheap. Yeah, like go buy a friggin'
1: $10,000 $10, Victorian mansion.
0: Exactly, yeah, exactly, so we flew out uh seven o'clock, got into Detroit at like nine thirty um, got to the meeting, sat in the meeting all day, we went around, and introduced ourselves, we had to give um you know a little tidbit we'd We'd never met a bunch of these people before, and it's a breast cancer charity, okay, um started by a breast cancer survivor. With a bunch of um women executives and women staffers, I was the only guy in the room hmm. and uh we went around the room we had to introduce ourselves I and mean, my little tidbit my little personal uh my little personal um, they they said it was a secret i i it wasn't really a secret I, I don't know how else to Clarify, but something that 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 the room might not know about you was that uh, I, was missing, I was missing <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was missing the Syracuse game to be there in that meeting oh man, luckily, they were all big college basketball fans, yeah, because apparently everybody in the state is either a Michigan fan or a Michigan State fan. Um, either by design or by education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either their families pick one side or the other. So I would, had a sympathetic ear. They were like, oh, man, maybe we'll get a TV for you, um, you know, at, at lunchtime or something. I was like, ah, oh, no, it's okay. I'll follow it uh, as best I could. I just so ignore I what's going of- on in here while I pay attention <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> Basically, yeah. basically, and you guys are blowing up the group text, you know. So I'm just watching Our all these messages. Group
1: texts are always so disappointing because, you know, you send stuff out, and maybe a half hour later, somebody might reply.
0: They're never right.
1: active. Huh?
0: Well, well, this jumps a little bit to to Sunday evening, but a good example of that is. Is Mike Reardon's text saying that if Maryland gets into the Sweet Sixteen, that'll be seven ACC teams? And thank God, Dewan Wagner. He didn't say Dewan Wagner. Game. That was
1: the problem. He just oh, said, he said Wagner. Wagner, and I didn't know. Thank what God, he was Wagner's about. Well, Wagner. So I'm glad you asked him. And I couldn't believe right. he had him confused with Dewan Wagner, who played for Memphis <laughs> like 12 years ago. 2003? Yeah, all right, there you go. He was there for one year. Mitt Wagner's son scored 100 yes. points in Camden, scored yep. 100 points in a high school game, and he was supposed to be the next big thing. And then LeBron came up, came around, Dewan Wagner, because Dewan Wagner was drafted by the Cavs the year before. Okay. Dewan Wagner, he was a
0: flash in the pan. He was the kid who missed the free throws, no, right, no, for no, Memphis? No, 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 no,
1: no. The- who was that? you talking about in the uh, – that was – what was that? Grover Washington Jr. or something like that his name was.
0: He missed the, free th- the three free yeah, throws? Yeah, yeah.
1: That was like in the uh, conference tournament or whatever. That would have sent him to the tournament. Yeah, yes. yeah. His name was like – it was something – it might have been Grover Washington Jr. or something like that. He was there for a long time. DeJuan Wagner, his dad was a star at Louisville in the 80s. I don't think he graduated college, but Calipari was at Memphis and gave him a job, like as uh, basketball operations staff or something. You know, because I don't think he'd give him a uh, certain job because he didn't have a college degree, and just just so that kid would go to Memphis. Like he was the top recruit coming out his year, but that was the year before LeBron. You know,
0: you're right. You're right. I do remember that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Darius Washington Jr. Yeah, that's it. Was the guy little known fact that you will uh, you will detest and probably? But that his
1: dad was Darius uh, Washington
0: uh, Senior. <laughs> <laughs> you'll probably derail the podcast. Uh, the song, the line, the fish song, the line was written about the three free throws that he missed. Well,
1: this is how little I know about fish in the twenty first century. I know nothing of that song. <laughs>
0: uh, in popular culture, the, the song The Line by Fish I mean, about the Technically, free
1: I believe I went to the last Fish shows that they were ever going to have. And that was way before that kid ever missed those three free throws. <laughs> 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 you know, so... My affiliation with fish ended the day that they claimed they were ending. <laughs> They're like becoming like the Rolling Stones and all these other groups with their eight million farewell tours.
0: Um, all right, but we digress. We digress. Yes, we the, have uh, digressed. Uh, the um. The Dayton game, so that was lost on me. Although, from f- trying to follow it from afar, it seemed like a little bit of a frustrating... Uh, a-, a little bit of a frustrating game to watch. Yes or no?
1: The first half definitely was. Okay. Be- I mean, from my point of view, they're all frustrating. Even the blowouts. Because I can never rest easy till there's all zeros. But I was watching... See, the way the game timed out, it was perfect for me, because it started at 11.15, and I okay. usually take, I can take lunch at 12-something anyway, so what I did was, I watched the first half of my computer at the office, <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> and the right. thing is, I had a decent-sized so it was like, it was like watching, you know, like a flat-screen TV. You know, like a little right. twenty-six inch flat screen TV or something. You know, so right. it wasn't. I mean, it's probably a smaller screen that, but whatever. It was decent, decent picture nowadays. You know, and then yeah. and then at halftime, I left and came to my house to watch the second half on my home TV instead. You know, I was like, "That's my lunch," you know. Right. So it was frustrating because we were just. We weren't taking advantage the way we should have in the first half. You know, when we should have been... We were missing buckets and stuff. And as a result, it was only like a four-point game at halftime or something like that. Or maybe a two-point lead we had at halftime. But in the second half, you know... Yeah, maybe we played defense a little tighter, but Dayton just kept missing shots. They were missing so many... They were missing bunnies... You know they couldn't hit layups and point blank shots. You know, so it's like we we used that opportunity to actually just run away from them. And it was the the issue was we had like this 14, 15 point lead. It was like, all right. At one point they got really up. You know, and I was like, I don't want them getting complacent because it was like, well if they start making shots, they can't keep missing shots the whole game. You know, and. And, right. you know, that's always the danger of the Syracuse double-digit lead is the complacency factor. You know, that's why I hate watching when they're up by like 20 points or like 12 minutes left because that's a long time for a team to come back. And you know how they always do. They always – and they did do that for a little bit in that game where they started but, – but it just wasn't Dayton's day. So it was finally later on – Like, with a couple of minutes left, I was like, I can finally fucking rest, you know? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't until there was, like, less than two minutes in the game that I finally felt comfortable when Dayton was just like, all right, we're not even going to try anymore, you know? Right. So, I mean, for a casual fan, yeah. Second half was a blowout. But for somebody who's stressed, and that's the deal, like, with Mike's texting and stuff, it's like, like, even the other day during the MTSU game, it's like, and, and like, during the Dayton game, he texted, like, oh, I didn't expect this, you know, and there's still, like, you know, several minutes left of the game. It's like, I ain't saying anything yet. I don't want to jinx it.
0: <laughs> well, that's funny, speaking of that game, because I, I did watch that whole game. And there was a point in this first half where we were up by about 10. Yep. And it was just kind of back and forth for about four or five minutes of, uh, you know an eight to 10 point lead. Yep. And I almost texted, but because I know better, I didn't. But the thought process in my head was, I'll take this all the rest of the game. It's not pretty. We're not pulling away from them, but we're doing what we kind of have to do to maintain that lead. And then sure enough, like 60 seconds yeah. later, they're down. They cut the lead to three.
1: Cause they, cause what Syracuse has a tendency to do I mean, I guess it's just basketball teams in general, but Syracuse, since I watch them the most, it always seems that way, through generations, they always start to fuck around a little bit when they feel comfortable, you know? They'll start coming down, taking stupid shots, Frank Howard will decide he's going to make threes now, stuff like
0: that, you know? Well, you know what I think that is, and... and And I've always kind of thought this, and I think it goes to the same reason we're traditionally never a good free-throw shooting team. It's because offensively, I don't think we have the most – we don't recruit the most disciplined players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we recruit athletic players, and they buy into the zone, and they work on that, and they're really disciplined on that end. But, I don't know, it always seems like we have two or three loose cannons on the court at any time if you want to go – you know all the way back to, you know, yeah. late 90s. Yeah,
1: I mean, and Sunday, I'll say this much, Bayon was smacking them down quick in that game. Like, he pulled, like, Dewan Coleman after, like, the first possession or some shit. Like, he, I mean, yes, we eventually gave up the lead even in the second half, but, like, you know, he was pretty hard on because I think he knew he had to do that to avoid the upset thing, you know? Yeah. Because you saw yeah, yeah, he yeah. kept pulling people very quickly when they would like make one fuck up because, because that's, you know, nothing for nothing. Yeah, they beat Michigan State. But you know, these kids still see it and like, well, we should beat Middle Tennessee State. You can't help it. They're kids. Right. You know, just like the whole thing right. with the undisciplined. So we get complacent. Everybody's like, well, I'm going to score points now, you know? Like the other day, like, uh, you know, in that game, at one point in the first half, Roberson took like a 20-footer, you know. Then Howard took one. It's like, those aren't the guys you want taking those shots, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, you got to, I don't know. And that's, but yes, and that's the undisciplined thing because they all, they all feel that they have the right to take them,
0: you know. Right. Totally. Yeah.
1: I mean, eventually, Roberson did make one of those long jump shots, but still, you don't want to see him taking that shot.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I don't So this gets a little, uh, this gets a little above our pay grade, I think, but I don't know. It might be, it might be worth just chatting about it. And if we sound like absolute idiots, we can edit it out. But, um, I was thinking about this, this run, this class, this, you know, 2011, 2016, right? um, and how fun they've been to watch! I know they've been frustrating, but there's been some good stuff over these last couple of years. Yeah. Know? And I know, I know, coaches probably tend to get a little better as they mature, but Bayheim's nowhere. I know he's going to retire in a couple of years, but like he's nowhere near the end of his game. Yeah. Yeah. No, he. You, you know, he's not ready to leave. You know? Yeah. And, like, I mean, there's still teams up there. Patino still puts a good team on the floor. And um, who else is up there in terms of, like, dean, deans of coaching? Obviously, Coach K. Um, coach K, Roy Williams. Yeah, but
1: Coach K, I know Bayheim's the longest tenured coach in Division One basketball. Coach K has to be right behind him because Coach K was hired in 1980. You know? Right. He has to be the second behind him. I don't know anybody else that's that could be up there, you know, for one school, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. even yeah. for
1: multiple schools, they have to be, because how many other coaches were coaching in the 70s, you know?
0: Right. Um, but he, what he's doing with the talent level that we have is nowhere near the talent level that Duke has, even though they're down this year. Yeah,
1: they actually um, had a good article... Uh, On Yahoo Sports this morning, I read about that. I don't know if you saw it, and it was talking about how Beheim intentionally doesn't go after completely talent-laden teams like that because his thing is if you have it's hard, it's too hard to coach basically five McDonald's All-Americans because they all want the ball all the time, and they, you know. And I was talking about how you know, and since Beheim's been there, they've had so many. He downs All Americans compared to Shashesky compared to the twenty five calipari signed just since he's been in Kentucky. But that's because he never really wants to have friggin' more than a couple on the court at one time because you can't you know, they want to do what they want to do, you know? They're a lot harder to coach. Yeah.
0: Well, I think a perfect example of that is is how he handled um Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. He kind of buried him freshman year. And let them mature. You don't see that. McDonald's All-Americans come in and McDonald's All-Americans play. Yeah, now. exactly.
1: And that's the problem. Because he was talking about in that article about how like when Billy Owens was a freshman, they beaten the hell out of somebody. But like, you know, it was a blowout. And he had only played 30 minutes. He was bitching about only playing 30 minutes. And he's like, those guys never want to come out of the game. You know, he's like, great players right. never want to come out of the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is funny because I, I just I did a little rundown of um of classes. Yeah. So if you look at if you break down if you break down Syracuse basketball in the Beheim era to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight classes. So, 76 to 81 is Louie and Bowie, and then, you know, 82 to 86, not much happened. 87 to 91 is, I don't know, probably like the golden age. Well, that was like the golden
1: age of Syracuse recruiting, yeah. Because they were on the downslide when I got there. You know, it was like a lull. for Like that 96 team, that was an anomaly for where they were like when I was younger, you know?
0: Yes, yeah, so like 90, so 82 to 86, nothing happened. And then 92 to 2001, so that's two year, two classes. It We only had one, two, three, four, wait, one, two, three seasons, three tournaments where we went past the second round. Yeah. That includes a year we were suspended. We had a couple second, uh, second, uh, round out. We obviously played in the championship game in eighty uh, in ninety six, and then after that, it was just kind of like Sweet Sixteen.
1: Yeah, they had the year where so, they. Yeah, I mean, it's been a resurgence since two thousand since Carmelo came.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, but even in then, so two thousand two to two thousand six, we didn't make the tournament in the two thousand two season. Yeah. And I'm um I think I'm saying the two thousand two tournament.
1: Yeah, because 2003 was the year we won the title, the next year.
0: Right. So then we won the championship, then we went to the Sweet 16, and then first round, first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vermont upset. Yeah, and then the year we lost to Texas A&M was the year that Jerry McNamara single-handedly gave us the Big East championship. We wouldn't have gone to the tournament that year.
0: Right, we missed it. Oh six, we missed it. We missed the tournament. Oh seven, like those are some really down years. Yeah, but the and... recruiting's
1: been a lot heavier though in that time, for the most part. Like you look, we, had, well, we that... had we've had at least two teams that didn't go to the final four that could have been serious threats to win a national championship. One year was the year Orenzi Onowaku got hurt, when we still got the one seed. And I think we ended up. Uh, and then we had the year where Fab Mello friggin' where where we had to the suspend them Both of those teams right. were serious threats to win the national championship, if not for that. We, I mean, one of those years what, we lost to Ohio State in the Elite Eight, you know. And then the year we lost to the first Butler team, I think, was when Onowaku got hurt.
0: What year was, was Mello? Was that 2011, 2012?
1: Yeah, that that was the year we lost to Ohio State because then we went to a final four yeah. the next year. The next year, yeah, and we lost that game because we didn't have Mello because they had Sullinger and that other big dude, you know, and they were killing us, you know. And then the year Butler's first final four team, we lost that freaking game, and we wouldn't have lost it if Onowaku would have been played. You remember that, right? In right. Sweet sixteen.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, right. we still got the one seed because Bayheim lied to him and told, told the committee that he'd probably be back. <laughs> well, there was no chance he was ever coming back. Right. His injury was just right. too much, you
0: know. Right. Hmm. But those two, those two eras, so if you're looking at 87 and 91, and then now, uh, 2011 and 2016, Two totally different times, you know. Yeah. Two totally different times in college basketball. Recruiting landscape is different. Here, like we're never going to see a team like that. Bayheim's like signed those nineteen teams.
1: McDonald's All-Americans.
0: Dude, over his sh- thirty years,
1: forty years now. F- forty years. Shosheski signed sixty-five. I mean, the McDonald's game probably only started probably like 19- nineteen eighty or something. So, but whatever. Nineteens new. North Carolina has brought in 70, and Calipari's recruited 25 to Kentucky just since 2009. <laughs> you know? Jeez. And he even talks about he doesn't, you know, he's only had two players that have ever been all-stars in the NBA. Carmelo Anthony and Derek Coleman was an all-star once. You know? Right. Because it's not, you know, and it is true. Like, Syracuse never has these superstars you know
0: well that's why i think well the, you know the, there's a caveat to this because it, it's only gonna last you know i'm only comfortable saying this for as long as he's gonna be there what's is it two more seasons now or is it is it three supposed be one after? more i think
1: it was supposed to be 17 when he was supposed to be out
0: you know oh really next year yeah, yeah i guess that makes sense because he didn't want to he was, yeah, right. Because I remember there was some talk about when because that all surfaced when we made the move to the ACC, right? No, it all Where surfaced like, when no, they were definitely. doing the punishment. Well, originally, oh, well, yeah, and he I mean, said they listen said Mike
1: Hopkins was going to be the heir to the job whenever it came up. You know, I mean, years ago they said that, but when he when he when they officially put a date on it was the whole thing that came out of the punishment.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about like when we were going to go to the ACC and he kind of quashed rumors and said, "Listen, I would never I would never leave."
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. the idea and, that And hand going.
0: that over. Yeah,
1: cuz people are thinking, "Well, maybe he'll quit because he can't deal with the fact they're leaving the Big East." Yeah.
0: Right. That started the conversation yeah. materializing into some quantifiable number. So, it that maybe that's why I just Sure. Uh, just manipulate like- that however you want. <laughs>
1: that started the quad.
0: You know, sometimes when I t- I text you and you text me back and you say, "Wait, what do you mean? Why am I being a dick?" Just remember stuff like that. <laughs> that's just generally what I'm talking about. And maybe you didn't say anything at that point, but that's but but I, but that's I, I our me-
1: uh, our rapport, man. <laughs> that Partey, that's what people listen to this show for right uh, it is true and by it the way true. Grover Washington Gen- Jr. was a jazz legend who died in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> I knew I heard that name before born December 12, 1943 died December 17, 1999 was an American jazz funk soul jazz saxophonist along with George Benson John Clemmer yada 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 he is considered by many to be one of the founders of the smooth jazz genre. He was born in Buffalo and died in New York.
0: There you yeah, go. Yeah,
1: there you go. I knew I knew of <laughs> Grover Washington Jr. Chuck Mangione, Herb um, Alpert, Spyro Gyra. He's he's grouped in with all those guys.
0: Oh, I love Chuck Mangione. Yeah. Did you ever watch King of the Hill? Um. Not really. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, animated adult Television.
1: Yeah, well, Chuck Mangione was a recurring character on there.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There's a Friends episode where Phoebe meets her, her real mother, and uh, she goes out to her house to, like, spy on her, and uh, she goes, Oh, my God, this must be my father. He looks just like Chuck Mangione. <laughs> and her mother goes, That is Chuck Mangione. <laughs> she goes, Chuck Mangione's my father? <laughs>
1: Mangione, he's from um, Rochester or something, I think, or maybe Buffalo. He's from somewhere up there. One of the I think.
0: Uh, one of my favorite stories of living with the flight attendants in in the uh, in the hovel in Weehawken was it was a heat wave, like unbearable. Yeah, and we didn't have air conditioning. I didn't. Yeah, even he is from couldn't Rochester. Couldn't even afford like right. couldn't even afford a window yeah. unit. It was like that hot. So when uh, I used to try to. Um, Go between the library, movie theaters, Starbucks, any place it was air Movie condition.
1: theaters and grocery just, stores are where I used to hang out uh, when I was up in Syracuse during the summer with no air conditioning. It would be really hot. It's like, all right, we'll go to a grocery store, you know, that Wegmans, because they had the place yeah. you could eat inside. And again, let's go see a movie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's what I was doing I spent 12 hours just hopping between air conditioning That's great And it finally got cool enough for me to go home Because the sun had set And I'm walking past Bryant Park in New York City And uh, it was a free concert And I hear the announcer go Ladies and gentlemen, let's put your hands together For (laughs) Grammy-nominated jazz artist Chuck Mangione (laughs) So I sat and I listened to a free Chuck Mangione concert For a couple of hours That's awesome Glorious I love Chuck Mangione (laughs) Uh, as a matter of fact, that's what I'm going to listen to tonight. Oh, nice. I haven't been sleeping well. I'd... One of the reasons is I watched that UNI game the other night. That... And
1: that's starting you off for the whole weekend. Oh, the my God.
0: Week. Yeah. I don't know why. Talking it just got your me dreams. all worked up. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been trying to find a way to fall asleep. And uh, I listened to this podcast yeah. called Sleep With Me. And it's about a guy who just. Uh, it's not about, its it's a guy who just. Talks. Okay, it'll put you to sleep, basically. Absolute nonsense, exactly. But i I know about sixty to seventy percent of the shit that he references, and it's really funny. Yeah. So, like, if if my mom was to listen to it, it would put her to sleep because he just kind of drones on in a real like dulcet tone. But I'm listening to him, like recount and just riff on shit that I think is funny and he's really really funny so it keeps me up it does the opposite of what it's supposed to but maybe tonight I'm going to listen to a little Chuck Mangione <laughs> nice um,
1: so, this isn't Chuck Mangione but it made me think of it because you mentioned a TV show and because of his name being similar or in the fact that's an M uh, you're talking about the Friends episode I remember there's a Drew Carey episode did you ever watch the Drew Carey show Yes. And Mimi, you know, the, yes. the broad with all yep. the makeup. She's got to get a divorce because she's going to get married to Drew's brother. You remember the cross-dresser? Um,
0: yes, yeah. She's
1: going to get married to him, but it turns out she's still married. So she's got to get an annulment. And it turns out she was married to Eddie Money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 so, of
1: course, he makes an appearance on the show, you know, so she can get her. Her annul, annulment from Eddie Money. <laughs> uh, did you watch the Indiana-Kentucky game the other day?
0: Um, no, I fell asleep.
1: Okay, I was this, watching it. This recharged my memory thinking about that when I saw that Chuck Mangione was from Rochester. And this is why. And this infuriates me. There's a kid, a freshman on Indiana... Named Thomas Bryant. He was a McDonald's All American, I believe. He's 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 like six eleven, maybe seven foot. Whatever. He's really got game. And he was he's from Rochester. He was definitely coming to Syracuse. But they got he got scared off by all the NCAA bullshit. And that's why he ended up going to uh Indiana instead.
0: Oh yeah, I remember this kid. He was on a watch list.
1: They get the kid Thomas Bryant, he was definitely coming to Circus. He's from freaking Rochester, our backyard. And he got scared off because of the NCAA the the NCAA investigation. Now he's at Indiana and he's like if he was with us, we'd be so much better. Right. You know? Yeah. He's really good and he's big. That's the one thing we don't have. You know, he's like 6'10", 6'11", or something, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they guess 6'10", 245.
1: Yeah, and it kills me watching him play because the other day he was dominating against Kentucky. You know, he can actually handle the ball. He can shoot. He shoots threes every now and then. You know, like, he's pretty damn good. And he should have been ours. And all because of that bogus NCAA investigation. We don't have him.
0: Well, did you see um, that the the coach at Middle Tennessee State uh Kermit. Yeah, yeah, Kermit. Yeah, I read that. I mean,
1: I don't know. That that article was kind of fishy to me.
0: You didn't think so? You didn't
1: think it was substantive? No, because they're saying they're basically saying, Hey Kermit Davis never gone to Texas A and M and got busted with that guy. We we were still obviously involved with a cheater. I mean we were still involved with the street agent. Yeah, but I think you know that's what I think's fishy about it. It's it's like it might have delayed us getting punished, and maybe we would have still been hanging out with this guy and got punished even worse.
0: True, true. And the the the, the details of the story are that uh, Kermit Davis was a big time uh, up and coming coach back in and mid '90s, early '90s. Nineteen
1: ninety, the war, one year I remember him getting in trouble. Right away, because of course his name's Kermit. You don't forget names like that, right? Right. You know, because s- it was a big scandal.
0: Right. Um, Go on.
1: I'm sorry. Explain to the uh, explain, Alfredo.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he was a young up and coming coach, and he got hired by Texas A and M, which I'm assuming wasn't a big time program at the time. But uh, no, they were always
1: they were Texas A and M's always been hit or miss with basketball for years.
0: He. Then turned around and got um, fired because of his dealings with a street agent, a guy named Rob Johnson. And the story, the Syracuse.com story tied and maybe it's just simply because we're playing middle Tennessee state and it makes for uh, you know a decent enough story. but um, the gist of it was was the investigation into um, Kermit Davis led. To a revelation that this street agent was contacting other schools or had communication with other schools, one of which being Syracuse, and that's what ended up getting us uh, a one-year Yeah, because Conrad
1: McRae was the guy. You know, I mean, t- what was his name? Was it Tony Scott, the guy that Syracuse had? It was Tony Scott and Conrad McRae with the two Syracuse players. And Tony Scott was transferring to Texas A&M, and that's how. That guy got caught up and ended up bringing down Syracuse because he probably wasn't as slick, you know
0: right right um, yeah. so just interesting more than anything else i don't uh i don't necessarily know that it's probative, but yeah,
1: I mean I thought it was stupid to make it sound like he got us in trouble. It's like well, we were obviously due for something anyway
0: yeah no i I took it as more of like an interesting tidbit, hey, yeah. Um, I mean, I just,
1: the whole premise of the article is odd to me because they were acting like, I mean, and for one, you know, yeah, I know it's com now, but that is the post standards, basically, you know, what the post standard was. And it was the post standard that was investigating, looking for Syracuse. And it's almost like they're writing it as if they're sad that that happened. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> you know? Right. Weren't you guys the ones looking for a Syracuse basketball scandal? (laughs)
0: Because
1: they say it in the article, right? That they were investigating for cheating at Syracuse. Right. (laughs) I don't know. It's a whole very odd thing to me. Um, But, yeah, it's an interesting connection.
0: Yeah, just a little tidbit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. His career went off the rails because of that. He was at Texas A&M for a year.
0: And that was it? And then he yeah, coached no
1: one would touch him for a long time.
0: Coached community college and became an assistant for a while and I think he's been in Middle Tennessee for a while. Yeah, he's been there since two thousand two now. Yeah. So uh I mean, that's all I got for uh for the tournament. It's been uh it's been fun. This is why I like being alumni, you know. <laughs> We're one of those teams that are that always kind of gives you something to root for, as frustrating as it can be sometimes. And that was kind of my point about the you know this kind of group of uh, of teams and and the job Beheim's done for the next couple years, whether it's one year, two years, or or, or whatever. Um, like the way the college basketball landscape is now. There's there's always a solid nucleus because of the way, like you said, because of the way he recruits. Yeah, yeah. And you're gonna have one or two upperclassmen to, to you know to kind of anchor the team, and that's kind of the mid-major model, right? That's why you see teams like Wichita State or you know um, or UNI or you know some of these yeah the simulating teams. But the difference between us and them is that we're a big time university with the resources to get the cream of that crop. You yeah. know? So man, I wish he hadn't announced his retirement because I think I, like with the with the class that's coming in next year Yeah, but eventually Mike Hopkins has to start coaching. No, yeah. I understand. I understand. And the I mean, he's older than us. And who I'm not saying that he's not capable of it. I'm just less confident because he's got less of a track record. He's got zero track record. Of course,
1: he's going to be new, you know? It's like, what do you expect? I mean, I'm sure there were people that felt the same way when the last coach left, because we did go to the Final Four in 1975.
0: Right. No, true. You're
1: right. And it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Next thing you know, we got a guy there for 40 years. And it's perfectly reasonable. I just rest assured knowing that Hopkins is the one that does a lot of recruiting, and like Beheim says, and I'll go with him on that, this wasn't his team. And that's why that nine-game stretch where he had the coach kind of, you know, he never got to prepare for it at all. And it was just like, okay, after the Wisconsin game, by the way, uh, your suspension starts now. Right, you know? right. So well,
0: I, 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 I just it? feel less confident. If, if there was no timetable for Beheim's retirement, I would say we've got another Final Four on the horizon just by the nature of college basketball and the nature yeah. in which he recruits and coaches. The yeah, no, he's... it's
1: it's it's reasonable. Like that's a that is a good point because you know, I mean, if we get a deal where we hit, where we get a one really super player who's like a freshman team with like a bunch of other guys, you know, we could probably do a 2003 over again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: You know that um, I saw the stat the other day, last week, I guess. Like, I don't know how many years it has been now. It might have been 40 or maybe 30 years or something. The last 30 years maybe or something. Every NCAA champion has had, uh, it might even been longer than that. Every NCAA champion for a certain amount of time has had a, a guard that played in the NBA. Except for one, the 2003 team.
0: Ah, very interesting.
1: Yeah, that was the only team that didn't, ha- that didn't have a guard that played in the NBA for at least, like,
0: one game. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah it's huh. crazy. How do you like that? Yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. there'll be two.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, Benajay might... Yeah, that's what I hear. Might get a cup of coffee in the league. That's what I hear. I just think, I don't know, he just... They project him as a second rounder, which doesn't mean anything, because if you're picked after, like, the 16th pick or after the 13th pick or whatever in the NBA, there's a good chance you're playing in the developmental league the next
0: year. Right, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, so that's that. This weekend will be fun. I. Uh... Oh, Friday
1: night, it's going to go really late for you, 940 start.
0: <laughs> yeah, but luckily it's Friday, although shit.
1: No, I don't mean like you as an old guy. I mean just you being an East Coaster. It's just so late.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and it might actually be later than that, depending on what happens in the first game. The first game goes to overtime. We're looking like at a ten o'clock plus start.
0: But that gives us uh, that's a Friday Sunday. Is that um, yeah? So Easter would be the next game if we if we were to win on Friday, um, which, which is, is good because I have no
1: Easter plans anyway. Yeah, me either.
0: Me either. So. Uh, but we'll see We'll see We got uh, Gonzaga's um, Yeah, They're legit You know
1: Yeah I mean That kid Sabonis Arvidas' son You know Arvidas Sabonis
0: Well he's not your Vetus He's not my Vetus he's, he's our Vetus
1: Yes You know Arvidas Sabonis I do yeah, he he would have been great. At, problem was, he was a Soviet player, so it wasn't until way late in his career that he finally came over and played for the Blazers.
0: Uh, Sports and Illustrated. They held his
1: rights forever.
0: Sports Illustrated had a great article about uh, Dale Brown. I guess went over to recruit him.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, but couldn't get him.
1: Yeah, Dale Brown was always he was an early an early adapter to recruiting international people. That's yeah. how he got friggin Shaquille O'Neal because he was given a uh, a camp at a base in Germany where uh, Shaquille's dad was stationed.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, and Shaquille was like a 13-year-old at the time. There you go. Yeah. And he was and and Dale Brown wanted to recruit him there, but he's like I'm only 13 cuz he was already huge. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It's Hey, um that's all I got for uh well that's a ham hand ham handed segue. Um Yeah,
1: well I've got a funny story to tell you though.
0: Okay. All right, shoot. Um I sent you that article.
1: Just read it in your free time. Okay. It's a pretty decent article. All right. Um Anyway, so you know, good old Stevo steve Ensminger that lived in 1106 with us as you and he tailgated with us before the uh before the usc game a couple years ago
0: correct You remember
1: correct yeah he didn't go he was out there with his son now he's got two kids actually but uh so when we were in college living at 1106 uh i used to i used to dabble a bit in the uh in, in the non-medicinal marijuana, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, he used to smoke, like, good stuff. And, you know, like, the one st- thing when you have the good stuff, you don't want to keep it in a bag because it gets all crushed up, you know? Right. So it's always good to have, like, a jar or something. Well, Steve, when we got college, <laughs> we lived there. He had this jar, and on the top of it, it was, it was a little ball mason jar. You know those balls? Yes, yes. And it, it was a little one, for, you know, probably, like, maybe you could fit, like, five ounces of jelly in it or something, you know? Okay. Like, a smaller one. And on top of it had a plastic lid, and there was a needlepoint thing done on it of, like, a bunny. And I think it might have said Happy Easter or something. I don't even know. It, you know, it had the bunny with, like, a basket of eggs on it or something. Okay. So so I took it and co-opted it as the Nug Jar.
0: <laughs> what did he have it for to begin with?
1: It was his childhood Easter jelly bean jar.
0: <laughs> you know, it's
1: like every, I guess, you know, every year his mom would like put jelly beans in it or whatever, okay. you know, I guess for, you know, and I guess him and his brothers probably each had one, you know, and that would be put in their basket or something. Right, yeah you know? of course. And, uh... <laughs> And I remember he was like, Oh man, that was my I remember him being like, that was my uh my childhood jelly bean jar. <laughs> well we graduated or he graduated and I was still there and I held on to the jar. You know, even and he would always make comments every now and then, you know. And then even like some years back in the past decade, he one night he texted me. Like uh I guess I think he might have been hanging out with like his brothers and friends back home or something. And he he texted me, he's like, You still got that jar, blah blah blah. I was like, Yeah. You know, I'm like, Do you want it? He's like, No, 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 no <laughs> <laughs> And the fight he's like, No, you keep it. I was like, I'll give you the jar, man. He's like, No, it's fine. But and for years it still smelled like marijuana in it, you know. <laughs> Even though I probably hadn't had marijuana at this point I probably hadn't had marijuana in 16 years now you know right but but it, it's it's lasted with me everywhere i've gone you know <laughs> i've had that jar all the way from everywhere i live and i don't even know where the hell i was keeping it but definitely made it in them it might have been in storage with all the other stuff that was in storage for like two years before i moved into the house because it definitely ended up on my um on the counter in the kitchen like in a corner, you know, it was like in a corner in the kitchen, like behind like the dish drainer, and all that stuff where like you wouldn't even think about it. And I saw it there a few weeks ago and I'm like, Oh, there's the Easter jar. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, you know, it's Easter season now. I was like, and Steve's got his own kids now, you know, we should do something about that. So like three or four weeks ago, I, I sent, his wife a facebook message asking her what the what the address was cuz I was like I need to get his address yeah and uh and she's like oh you're going to send us something I'm like yeah it's a surprise don't tell Steve-O about this at all you know i was like he'll see what it is don't even tell him i'm sending him anything
0: yeah you know? right
1: and i'd been meaning to send it out for a while then last week i was like oh i better send it out cuz i got to get there before easter
0: yeah man get on your horse
1: yeah so uh At one point, I had, like, a little box, and I was like, but it didn't perfectly fit, Uh, you know, because I was like, I should send them something else, like coconuts from the Zulu parade. I was like, oh, I'll send them a coconut with this, but that stuff didn't fit perfectly in a little box I had, and then I got a package from Amazon, and the box was a little bigger, and I was like, oh, I can put the coconut in here, in the thing, and then... And then, uh, but the box was too big, you know, like there was <laughs> too much room in it, you know? So I'm like, oh, well, I was like, fuck this. I got all these Mardi Gras beads. I was like, I'll load them up with a bunch of Mardi Gras shit, you know? <laughs> so, I, so I filled a bag with all these beads and stuff because I was like, I got to get rid of these beads anyway. You know, I was like. They're better. He's got kids. They'll want to play with this shit. Right. And I threw in a, I threw in two coconuts because there was another one. I was like, well, you know, what's this really gonna do for me? You know, it was big deal. So I threw in a little one, uh, you know, because I I caught a few coconuts this year. But the one I really want, I'm holding on to, you know. But the other ones, I was like, I'll give them away. And uh, and I threw in some koozies, you know, two of each of a few different Mardi Gras themed koozies. Because I was like, I like koozies, you got a wife to, uh, and I wrote a little note, and I put, and then I bought some sweet tart flavored jelly beans. And I <laughs> filled up the jar with the jelly beans, <laughs> you know, and uh, filled up the jar with the jelly beans and all the beads. And I wrote a note in it. I'm like, dear Steve-O, blah, 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 here's some beads, you know, and coconuts, these things are really hard to get, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, but that's not the real reason I'm sending this package. I was like, dig within the beads because I just, you know, as as th- that's another reason I put the beads in there because I needed something to to stuff the thing to protect it from getting busted, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I
1: just I put the I put the jar inside a koozie and stuffed it amongst the beads. I was like, but the real reason I'm doing this is digging into those beads. <laughs> I was like, there's your Easter jar. I figured it's about time we we uh, it, you return dignity to the to your <laughs> Easter child. <chart. laughs> I was like, you have kids now too. Whatever, happy Easter, you know. So, I I went to the post office, and delivered. They said it was going to get there today, but then I was actually doing the tracking on it, and it got delivered yesterday. Um, so what? Uh, it was like six something. The reason I had to go out and notarize some stuff for like a settlement, uh, like a power of attorney thing, and I'm sitting there at this meeting, and my phone starts blowing up, and and then he got it, you know. Then I got out to the car, and he's like, "Just got your package." I literally laughed out loud. That is <laughs> spectacular. Thank <laughs> you. you <know>? That's great. <laughs> so we had, we exchanged some, you know, a few texts for the night, you know. About how much his kids are loving it and everything, and I had to reinforce to him. I was like, "Don't get rid of the coconuts because it's really a hard thing to get a yeah, blue yeah. coconut." Yeah, you know, I was like, "If he he's not from here, that might not mean anything to him."
0: Right, you right, know? right. I was
1: like, "Trust me." I was like, and I even wrote that in the in the note that I wrote to him. I was like, "And here's two coconuts," and I'm like, "And considering uh, how hard it is to get those, you should be." You know, especially me being a middle-aged white male.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, you're like the lowest rung of people that are going to catch it at a, the most uh, valued uh, throw at a parade as a middle-aged white man. Right. You know. Right. So I was like, so I was like, definitely hold on to this. I know he was psyched when he got it, and then the kids love it because they're all the beads. He's like, the kids are loving the beads. You know, so. So I felt really good knowing he got that, you know, and I didn't take pictures of any of the shit. I'm not sharing it because, you know, some shit just has to be personal and inside. But we can share it on the podcast because it that is a, that is at the basis of what this podcast is about is 1106 stuff.
0: There you go, man.
1: There you go, and I think that's a classic. I, I said twenty years is long enough. That is, that
0: is great. That's great, and see that at least somebody's going to be surprised by your, uh, by your efforts there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I I love that because the idea that he got home and sees this random package addressed to Stevo from Live, which is how I addressed it, right? You know, he opens it up like, what the fuck. Sorry. So I was very happy about that. (laughs) That's
0: a uh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah,
1: yeah, because that's those classic like old inside jokes we have with each
0: other. Right, of course, man. Of course, (laughs) good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, then on that note, (sighs) with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Yeah. Good night, Fredo, and happy Easter, buddy. Let's go orange. Let's go orange. Let's go orange. I'll t- Wait, one thing I want to say real quick. Sure. After that Dayton game ended, I was still sitting on my recliner, and it was probably, you know, it was still the aftermath. Probably like two minutes or so after the game ended, I finally went. I went, yeah, just <laughs> yelled out a big, loud, yeah, just in my house in the middle of the day. There you go, Because I could finally release some emotion. So let's hope we're doing that again Friday night. Or in your case, maybe it might even be early Saturday morning.
0: That early point. Saturday morning, I'd imagine it would be.
1: Yeah. All right, brother. All right, man.
0: All right. Adios.